worship, sing to the house of the Lord, sing along with us this morning. We worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea. Yeah, amen, amen. Hey, good morning, everybody. How you doing? What's up? What's up, Sunset? How you doing? My name's Eric. I'm glad you're here. If you're here for the first time or been here just a couple times, thanks so much for coming. If you're hometown folk, thanks for being here worshiping today. Listen, 
you don't have to go anywhere after church. Normally, you got all these plans. I know you got your lunches, you got your commitments, you want to go see some people. But what you need to be doing is you need to stay, and then you need to contact some friends and family to come here right after church and hang out with us. I think when you pulled into the parking lot, you saw a small structure that is certainly fun for all. Um, and I would really love to see somebody like Wanda on that. Uh, and uh, but we're going to have a good time. There's Frisbee golf course set up. There's going to be bounce houses, snow cone, popcorn machine. Taylor Farms is fitting the bill for making sure we get fed and fed well. So we want to definitely thank them. We have raffle giveaways from local restaurants to coffee shops to a grand prize of a cutting board made by our pastor who has posted it on Facebook. And I'm telling you, you're going to want to get your raffle ticket and maybe hope for that one. So a lot of cool stuff right after church till about 2 o'clock. Um, and then we'll let you have your day back. So uh, give us that. And I think we'll have some good time to fellowship. It'll also be a great way for you to be able to cross the aisles in these relationships at the tables to say hi to somebody and get to know somebody a little bit better. So that's the intent of this this event and activity. I just want to point out one thing that's coming up uh, this week, and that's the Friday Friends. Lainey and her crew, they just do a fantastic job of serving our community, and Friday Friends does just that. And so if you're interested uh, to serve in that capacity, it's on the back of your bulletin. And hopefully you got one of those when you came in this morning. And if you didn't, uh, the Connect table's out there. And of course, at the end of the service, uh, please come up and see me, see Pastor Steve, Pastor Kelly, say hello to us. Let, let me get your information so we can just follow up and connect with you and serve you in any way that we can. Sounds good? Sounds good. How about, how about doing me a big favor now? How about just turning around and saying, good morning, Sunset Hills. Good morning.
voices as we continue to worship the one who paid it all for us this morning. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.
voices and sing this with us this morning.
this morning. Lord, we're so grateful this morning that, God, we can know you in such a personal way, that, God, we don't need an intermediary or intercessor to come to you on our behalf, Lord, but we can meet you right where we are. God, you accept us right where you are, but, God, you love us too much to leave us there. God, we're so grateful for that. Lord, this morning as we continue to worship you through spoken word, Lord, please, please just anoint these words uh, that Pastor Steve has prepared, Lord, that I feel like you've inspired him to, to deliver this morning. Lord, we love you so much. and Let it speak to our hearts and move us to action in everything that we do, that we glorify you. Your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, after last week, I'm almost afraid to preach this morning. And for those that weren't here, maybe you should get an a, a, um, understanding of the students did such a great job last week that they, I did not have to do a sermon. And so many people really appreciated the moving of the Holy Spirit as I did and was moved within our congregation by what happened last week. And, and you have responded very well to that, but you've also responded in such a way that it makes me a little more nervous about preaching because I can't compare it to what happened last week. And I, mean, I appreciate your support of all of that, but I'll tell you, I was like, you were leaving saying, man, best sermon you ever preached. <laughs> so I don't know about that. We'll give it a try. We'll trust that the Lord. Hey, give the worship team, show your appreciation. Yeah. A powerful worship set this morning, and God really used that, I believe. When was the last time you gave a lot of thought to the basic necessities of life? You know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I typically on a daily basis don't give a whole lot of thought to my basic needs, those basic necessities. And what I mean by that are those things in life that we are privileged to have that fulfill an individual's physical well-being. And now depending on uh, where you come from, your, maybe your sources, what I've always sort of understood is those basic needs or necessities are are typically food, water, air, shelter, things like that. And it seems like in today's time, however, that depending on where you get your source from, more and more people or groups are adding other things to those four basic areas that I just named. For instance, a group called Population Education on this website, they added to that that uh, there should be health care, education, and access to information, okay? So they've added that to it. Another website identified five basic needs as food, shelter, autonomy, connection, slash love, and self-transcendence. Something about becoming the most positive version of yourself. And, you know, I, after looking into these basic needs, it seems to me that if they can add one, some more to the basic needs, then I ought to be able to add to those basic needs. And if I add to it, you know what I would add? Common sense. Right? Because it seems to be missing... It really seems to be lacking in our culture today. So I, 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 don't, 
I think there's a great need for common sense, but I'm, that's not really in my, my list of things that I absolutely need, right? I mean, I can, I can be pretty stupid and still survive in this world, right? Obviously. But when I kind of identify what I've come to know as my basic need, it's uh, I think of food, water, air, and shelter. But quite honestly, again, I don't think about them too much, mainly because I have those needs met. When it comes to food and water, when I sense I need them, why it's readily accessible. I, I, I can go and get those needs when it, you know, on most evenings. Lynn takes care of my need for food at dinner time. She secures it from the grocery store, prepares it for me, and more times than not, brings my plate to me while I wait for it. I don't have to hunt for it. I don't have to try to grow it, thank goodness. I don't even have to cook it. I'd say I got it made. Thanks, honey. My biggest dilemma concerning food is this. Which restaurant am I going to eat lunch at? You know, when I want to drink a water, it's readily available to me. Most places that are public have water fountains. If I care to go drink from it, I can drink it from the tap. I can get it, drink it from a, the bottled water that... We keep around here. I can even drink it from a hose pipe, as I did as a kid. I guess that's not pretty cool these days. We don't do that, right? But I can get water pretty easily when it comes to shelter. I have more house than what I really need to live in, and probably you do too. In fact, most of America does in reasonable comfort of air conditioning. Recently, we took our three grandsons camping, and it was amazing to me how small of a footprint we really needed in order to survive. And I'll tell you, with those three boys, it got much smaller. <laughs> it's like, we were ready to kick them out. <laughs> it's like, okay, we've had your time. It's now just Lynn and I's kind of comfort we want to be in. And then the fourth air, I don't give much thought to it. I don't have to produce it. I don't pay for it. I don't have to work for it. It's just there. And I usually take it for granted. Now, I'll tell you, maybe this past week with all the events that we were inundated with, with a submersible, maybe we thought more about air than what we normally think of. But typically, we don't think of it. Basically, we don't think about any of those necessities uh, but here's the thing we need to remember. No matter how much I take these necessities for granted, I must have them in order to survive. All of these four areas that I have are blessings from God. And I won't have them unless he provides for them and neither will you. We've been engaging in an exercise over the past several weeks, diving into Scripture to discover three words 
found that are very important to understanding the gospel. Statements like, God so loved, and it is finished. And the actions that they represent, <clears throat> they are some of the most powerful statements and actions that have ever been known to mankind. Now, you're going to have to bear with me because those three grandkids, when we took them camping, gave me a code. So I'm trying to make it through that, okay? Rascals, they don't. The trilogy of words that I've chosen for this morning are powerful. They actually give meaning to those other phrases that we've looked at over the past several weeks. You could say, God so loved, and without the three words I'm going to talk about this morning, it almost becomes meaningless. Or it is finished, well, without these three words that I'm going to present to you in a moment. You know, that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. But these words of are, are of utmost importance to Christianity. In fact, all of Christianity hangs on these words, and there is no other religion that can make the claim that these three words make. You know what the three words are? He is risen. Exactly. He is risen. Referencing the most powerful the most greatest event of all time. Now, I know that there have been incredible uh, events that have happened throughout all of history, but there is no other event that has ever been performed by mankind that has ever had or will ever have a greater impact than the fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. The resurrection of Christ is at the heart of the message, the good news, the gospel of Christianity. And without the resurrection, all the things that Jesus did in his life, all of his ministry would basically would have ended in defeat and disillusionment. We typically hear them proclaimed at Easter throughout Christian churches throughout the world. But as we take the bare necessities of air and food and water and shelter for granted, we quite possibly take for granted the fact of what these words proclaim, that he is risen by the Christian church. Often relegated to something that is proclaimed just at Easter, admittedly, when I was thinking of the combination of words that I would use in this series that would be worth looking at, I actually overlooked these words. When it dawned on, on me that as I was thinking about He is risen, and they did not come to me until just recently, well after I'd started the series, when it finally dawned on me that these are three powerful words, the most powerful words, I was thinking, you dummy, how could you overlook this powerful statement? 
I guess the reality of what they mean to believers is sort of taken for granted, just like we take those basic necessities for granted. But just as life depends on food and water and air and shelter, so does the resurrection of Christ. He is risen, and everything with the resurrection happened as proclaimed in the Bible, just as the angel proclaimed. You might remember back in Matthew, and it's proclaimed in other places. Matthew 28, 6 says this, He is not here. Watch it. He has, say it, from the dead, just as he said. The fact that he is risen has profound implication for the believer. And there will come a day when this life as we know it's going to end. But, now I, I want to tell you, I see Joyce Tate here, and a week from this coming Saturday, we'll be doing the memorial service for her dear husband. This coming Tuesday, I'll be doing a memorial service for Chandra's grandmother. This coming Saturday, I'll be doing a memorial service for another uh, past person in our church. Uh, three services coming up in the next several days. And the fact that Jesus Christ is risen gives hope to these families that are facing this death right now. Amen? It is the hope that we have that I'll be able to stand before these families and say, it's not over for them. They are with Christ. He has risen, and life will continue for them. And it's glorious where they, where they are. There's a future hope. For the believer, that changes everything. The Apostle Paul addresses this. There's a necessity that's arisen within the church where he has to talk about the resurrection. If you want to turn in your Bibles, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And, and I encourage you to read the whole chapter. We're going to read about half of it. But I encourage you to go and read the whole chapter. It really, it really summarizes the, what it is that we're about and why we have this future hope but also not in just the future of why we have this hope right now. It says, Paul says, Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Watch this. Christ died for your sins, just as Scripture said. He's establishing this, this whole purpose of why it was that Jesus came, so that we would have him to die for our sins. He was buried, 
And he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as Scripture said. He's proclaiming this truth about the historical events that happened just as it was said it would happen. And now he recalls, he's going to go in and talk about the eyewitnesses to these accounts, of this account of what happened, those who witnessed it. He says in verse 5, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Let me just stop there and say this. There, look at how he's qualifying himself. He said, I was horrible. We talked about it some in our life group this morning. A place of desperation. And yet he says, God loved me and gave me this privilege to proclaim the good news. And then whatever I am now, he says, from where I was to where I am, it is all because God poured out his, fa his special favor on me and not without results, for I've worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, or, for we all preach the same message. You have already believed, but I tell you, tell, but tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why? Why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? There, if, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, uh, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who died believing in Christ are lost. And if our, our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more... Th to be pitied than anyone in the world, but, yeah, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. And just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone, everyone, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given life. There's our hope. He clears the deck, really, in this proclamation. And he's saying, Jesus is risen. Now, I want to share with you in some very simple terms of what significance he is risen 
has for us. First, he is risen means Jesus is exactly who he says he is. So many prophecies were claimed and fulfilled through the life of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus Christ validates what the Old Testament prophecies were saying about him that foretold of how he would suffer, how he would be put to death, and for sure how he would be resurrected. His resurrection was authenticated, and it authenticated his claims of who he is and that he would be raised on the, three, on the third day. He said of himself this, destroy this temple and I will rise again in three days. So it's who he says he is. You know what? All those other things that Jesus did, all those other wonderful teachings that he had, would have been totally worthless had he remained in the grave. Millions and millions who went before him, who have come after him, all of what have been believed about who he was was fulfilled in him, the fact that he is risen. Now, I'll just let that sink in just a minute. There have been millions and millions and millions and millions of people who have died. Died before Jesus. And since Jesus lived and was resurrected, millions and millions and millions and millions of people have died. But there's only been one who did exactly as Jesus did. Out of all of those, only one. Paul says his resurrection was validated by people who witnessed it, who, who saw him alive after he was crucified, by Peter, by the 12, by the 500 of his disciples, by James and the apostles, and then by Paul himself. But Jesus is the only one who's ever done what he did, and those witnesses proclaimed it is true. Yes, there have been other people who have died. There were other people who were dead that Jesus brought back to life. Scripture identifies a few. More than that happened, but we know for sure of a few. But every person that he raised from the dead, you know what they did? They died again. Eventually. We don't have history about it. But they're not living today, right? They died. But here's what was different about Jesus. He didn't. He died once. And he lives today. He is risen. And because he is risen, that validates who he is. The Son of God. So first, Jesus is who he says he is. And everything that you believe, and I believe, rests upon that. But there's more. He is risen means that Christ died for our sins. 
The truth is that Jesus paid for our sins and the sins of the entire world. He himself, according to John, says this. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, not only our sins, but the sins of the, all the world. His resurrection is a statement of the atoning sacrifice that was completed and our standing with God is not contingent upon meeting His standard, which we could never do. It is contingent upon us receiving the Lord as our Savior and Lord. In the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, God placed the punishment for your sin, for my sin, on Him, so that we could be justified before Him. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might have the righteousness of God. So our sins have been paid in full. Can we just grasp that? It is finished that we preached uh, several weeks ago. The debt, your debt has been paid. It is the ultimate victory for all of humanity. His risen means that. But it also means this. Jesus defeated death. Think about that for a second. There is no greater enemy or obstacle in life than death itself. It became the punishment for sin. No one is going to be able to escape it. Yes, even Jesus had to experience it. But He is risen means that He overcame it. Death lost its grip on Jesus. But the resurrection means that Jesus not only defeated death for Himself, but he defeated it for us simply because he conquered sin and death through his crucifixion and resurrection. Because of that, we can now face death without fear or trepidation. I was able to visit some with Chandra's grandmother. Grandma Sarah, as we called her. She knew her time was coming. At first, she didn't want, she felt like she was going to receive a healing from God. And, and I say she received it. But then when she understood that in order to receive that healing, she would have to pass through death's door. And there were times when people were visiting her room. She would seem to get glimpses of God. And they would put music on. And she, even though she was very weak, she started raising her hands in praise to God, listening to the music. She knew what was coming. And she was celebrating in that she did not fear death because Jesus is risen. If 
1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Jesus defeated death. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are victorious over death. His risen means our faith is validated. As Paul said in verses 14 through 19, our faith would be useless. What we would do today would be useless. Oh, he goes on to say of what the apostles have preached about, what he himself have preached about. They would be liars and Jesus would have been a, a fraud but because of Jesus overcoming death. We are able, we are established in the faith in a sure thing, a sure person, in someone who is able to do far more than what anyone else has ever accomplished because he was able to accomplish what he said he would. We have no reason to, to believe that if because of what he did that we can't believe in all the aspects of what he proclaimed. The fact that he fulfilled that promise allows us to believe all of his promises. If someone could overcome death, why do we have such a hard time believing those other Things he said. C.S. Lewis said in mere Christianity, he would, have been a he would have been deceived or a deceiver. But as a most amazing promise has come true, so how can we not depend on and live by all the rest of his promises? And unlike any other religions, the founder of Christianity transcends death and the promises that his followers will do the very same thing. And let me remind you that all of those other founders of religions, you know what they are today? Dead. But not ours. He is risen. It means that we have hope. We have hope because we know that we're loved. You go back to that sermon on God so loved, an unconditional love, agape love, as we studied several weeks ago. We have hope because whatever we face, we know that we're not facing it all by ourselves. There is hope that we can have within the, and have this joy and peace and assurance and security in the midst of the despair that life brings us. We can know that He will never leave us or forsake us. Our hope doesn't rely on our own ability, our own goodness, our own physical strength, but our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we have the hope ultimately in eternity that death is not the end, that Christ has risen from the grave. We can have the hope of forgiveness and justification and eternal life in Christ. He is risen, and that gives us hope. Can you say amen to that? Amen. He gives us hope. And then finally, wow, there's so much more, but just in my list of things. 
He is risen means no matter what, Jesus wins. Man, I tell you, as I face this culture, a scary place, is it not? Seems to be getting worse and worse. I'm just going to say, common sense, as much as I like it, can't fix it. And I'm afraid that it's never going to get any better. But you know what? Jesus wins no matter what comes up. Verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 15, watch this, says this. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And after the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God, the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. For the scripture says, God has put all things under his authority. That's not just to come, that is right now. All things are under the authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. And then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything else. What does all that say? It says this, Jesus wins. That's the God I have. That's the resurrection of the Christ that lives today I have the assurance that God has all authority over everything that has been there that is that there will be in all of creation it is the crushing defeat of Satan's plans that he has tried to spread over us but because he is Risen, he reigns. The most powerful, the most wonderful, the most beautiful three words that we, the church, is able to proclaim is this. He is risen. Pray with me. I just want those words, Father, to sink in for a moment. To give us, your church, hope. To really understand how powerful these three words are to our lives. And Father, in order to really understand just how significant they are, we have to believe.
we have to place our faith in the one who conquered death, in the one who rose from the grave. And that establishes our hope. And knowing that Jesus reigns over all, including our lives. Father, I pray if there's someone here today that's never placed that hope in Christ, today would be the day they would recognize the incredible love that was expressed for mankind. Yeah, to bring it even closer for us, for me. Say, I love you so much that I don't want you to die in sin. I want to have a relationship with you. I want it to be right. And I want to shower you with love and favor. Father, though, to realize that we must accept it. We must accept this gift that you've given to us. And I pray that there's someone here that's never accepted that gift. Today would be that day. That we can understand the true significance of what he has risen means if you're here today and you'd like to talk with me about that it's time of invitation I would welcome that I won't embarrass you just we'll spend a few minutes here we'll pray and then we'll set up a time just just the two of us to talk further about it you can talk to one of our other pastors about it Maybe as we're out fellowshipping and the Lord's just laid on your heart and you just feel like, I can't walk down in front of a lot of people. Well, that's okay. Just catch us as we're eating lunch or having a good time. We'll be happy to talk further with you about it. But right now, just don't let this day pass by without understanding how much God loves you. stand please as the worship team sings respond to him underneath the every hour most gracious Lord no tender voice like thine can peace
First, we need you for salvation. Father, thank you that it didn't stop there, that in life, when we feel so desperate, life is so filled with despair, we can come to you and just, we just, just simply proclaim, I need you. Because we believe in this risen Savior, because his gift to us and your gift to us was the Holy Spirit by his power, his Holy Spirit then steps into our lives and brings comfort and peace. So we just speak these words. I need thee, you. We have this assurance of knowing that you're there with us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for who you are. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. Well, we've got a fun day planned for you. Hope you're planning on staying. Uh, if you can't stay, we hope you don't have a good day today. No, just it's going to be a great day either way, but we'd love for you to stay and just hang out with us and uh, have some lunch. Taylor Farm is providing all of our food, and they always just do a great job. Uh, Jamie Teachner, he's going to be hanging out with us, singing some songs. Hey, he's I see Jamie back there. Hey, back. I didn't do this last week. Let's start. Jamie, stand up just a second. I want you to know who Jamie is. Well, first of all, some of you already know Jamie and his wife, Jen, is here. Are the kids here with you? Charlie and Lily? What? Another church camp, all right, so they have two kids. Jen, some of you all know, taught in our school several years ago. Uh, I was so impressed with her that I was like, I got to have you as a teacher, and she's gone on and become assistant principal of schools out in Sumner County. This guy here, uh, he joined the Air Force. How old were you when you joined the Air Force? Man, you got to be about the oldest recruit <laughs> they ever had, you know? Went on and was part of a country band and did traveled. You even, did you even have to do boot camp? Oh, okay. All right. He had to wear that high, uh, hair high and tight, okay. you know. And, and went and did, um, uh, started traveling all across the United States representing the U.S. Air Force in, in bands. Uh, and recently when uh, the United States Space, Space Force was established, they needed a, an anthem, a hymn, like all the other branches of military did. 
And Jamie wrote one, and you know what? It was chosen. He is the author of the hymn for the Space Force. You know, that's congratulations. But with all those accolades, in fact, you're a commissioner now for the Sumner County, right? And with all those accolades that he's got, you know, what's the most important and the best of all is he loves Jesus. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's, a, he's written a lot of songs that have actually been recorded. Um, and I think, I don't want to rain on his parade, but there was a song that was recorded by Trisha Yearwood that became a big deal for him. But he wouldn't let her have it if, uh, if she, she tried to rewrite a couple of words that took, uh, am I right? Tell it, tell, make, don't tell it now, make them stay for it. Make them stay for it, all right. It's good. Know that I messed it up. He'll correct it, though. He'll correct it. So, uh, well, stand with us as we close and worship. Hope you're planning on hanging out. You don't have to hang out till two. Uh, have lunch with us, and uh, um, so it's just going to be a good time. Let's Lord, stick around of... until stick around until you get a chance to win that fabulous cutting board. That's true. Right. That's true. Oh, also, I have a pen that I've thrown in there too uh, that I turned, and you can have your chances on gift that. Gift cards. Well. It's going to be a good time. So. Yeah, it will be. Lord, we thank you for today, God. Thank you. Uh, that you are God, a God who's risen. And Lord, we don't um, serve a Savior who's in the grave. Lord, we're so grateful for that. That's our hope. We stand on that promise. Lord, as we go out and uh, just fellowship, Lord, just have, let us have a good time and keep us safe. Lord, uh, we, we take this moment to bless our lunch. God, we're so grateful for the Christian uh, business owner who uh, provided that for us today. Lord, let everything that we do bring glory to you today, God. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hang Hi, good morning, this is Kelly. I wanna take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what, we would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776 1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody. Mm -hmm.